0: Hey guys, it's your girl, Adam, also known as the CEO, paralegal, author, legal consultant, legal educator, and of course, your host of the Let's Talk Paralegal podcast. Join in on the fun by downloading, subscribing, and sharing our content. You can also take your support further by hitting the coin icon on the Let's Talk Paralegal website, where as a thank you, we will provide you with exclusive content, news, and maybe even some swag. So what are you waiting for? Hit pause and share your support now. episode I get to speak with Diani winter, an attorney with purpose. Let's be honest, most legal professionals lose their fire after they have been put down for so long, drowned by deadlines, tasks and bad company culture. Diani is here to change all of it. Her fire continues to ignite and spread throughout. Listen in for more. Need an extra set of hands for a case that requires a little more investigation work? Check out our proud sponsor of season three, Affirm Investigative Solutions, where you get the tailored and personal care for your case when you need it most. With over 10 years of experience, Affirm Investigative Solutions makes the process easy. Set up a call, develop a plan, and then execute that plan. Affirm Investigative Solutions, the litigation partner that has your back. Hi, Diani. Welcome to the Let's Talk Paralegal podcast. I am obsessed with everything you're doing, and I want to thank you for all the support you've uh, shown us uh, both on Let's Talk Paralegal and on Eda Rosa LLC. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We can talk about a little more about that later on on the show. But I really want to focus on this incredible topic that you're bringing today, which I feel like it goes kind of with your brand and your mission in general. You're always thinking about people first. And I think that's what every legal professional in general, regardless if you're an attorney, a paralegal, legal support staff, whatever, wherever you're at in the spectrum in the legal industry, we never think about the people that we actually serve, right? It's not Mm -hmm. something that we get caught up in the deadlines and the court dates and, and the tasks and all the minute things that, in essence, of course, creates the legal industry in general. However, we don't tie it back to the people we serve, the why we started this, the why we're doing the, all these mm-hmm. deadlines and tasks, right? So talk a little bit more about that because that that from you like hit home.
1: So first of all, let me shout out to you. Like I'm giving you your crown today because you are our queen. I love the work that you're doing. I love the space you're taking up. Um and I'm always interested when doing podcasts because nobody gets to see my smile or the bright lips that I put on. So I would just want to give a visual, um, bright lips, bright colors. Um, so I always say like immigration law chose me, right? I don't know that I chose the practice of immigration law, Um I think if I had a choice, I I would have chosen something that would have made me a millionaire within the first one or two years. Um, But now you can't yank me away from this line of work because of the importance of the lives that we're able to impact as immigration law attorneys. And sometimes I've been doing it long enough now where I'm seeing the lives of children and not grandchildren yet. Right. But at least I'm seeing the lives of children. Um, that are impacted by the work that not just that I do because I don't want to take full credit, but the work that we do in, in our firm or or in our lives. So I'm super honored, first of all, that you're having me here today to talk more about me. But like I said, I really love talking about the lives we serve and the lives I plan to plan to serve.
0: And I love that because I feel like immigration gets a bad reputation um, in the legal industry. Also outside the legal industry, I feel like a lot of people look at this topic as political. Um, you know, they're either on one end of the spectrum or the other. So it's nice to have a fresh face and they will see you. We we do. Um, for those of you that don't know, we do stream this on YouTube. So they will see that beautifulness and that sassiness that I love so much. Um, and just side note on that one. But back to what I was saying, I feel like immigration law really gets a bad reputation. And unfortunately, um, we need soldiers in the front line just like you mm-hmm. to really shine a light on this topic with a non um, I guess, agenda behind the topic. Right. This is solely for the people, by the people, with the people, which is what we the United States mm-hmm. in general stands for. So talk about how the impact of your work has because I know it has changed you as well we were talking about that in our prior conversations prior to this recording how it impacted you as far as how you viewed the legal industry you viewed society in general and I loved what you said oh gosh I wish I could have remembered like every little word of it but you said something about it was a more of a transformation it was more of a of 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 something that transforms you as a person and as the way you looked at your job, which I think we lose that right in the legal industry, we lose that concept that we're here to serve the people. So, talk a little bit more about that,
1: right? So, the practice of law can be very selfish and egotistical because we all want to count our wins, right? Um, I started out my career with the federal public defenders a lifetime ago, and I remember we lost more cases than we won. But one of the things that never lost, what I never lost sight of was how impactful our representation is. Mm. Um, and I like how you said immigration law. Yeah, we do get a bad rap. It's, it's not the most popular practice area, um, but it's one of those very fulfilling practice areas. Because if you think about who we serve. For the most part, the cards are stacked against them, whether it's through language, whether it's through the circumstances in which they have left their home country, whether it's through the family dynamics, all of that. So we are not in many practice areas, you know, throughout immigration law, it could be family, could be employment. We're not getting or meeting people at their best. Um, Even doctors from their home countries, engineers, um, PhDs, we're not meeting them at the best part, We're we're meeting them at this very fragile, very fragile place. So I learned very earlier on, Etta, is to meet my clients where they are. No judgment, no judgment. I never ask why, I think it's common people are, why did you leave? That's no, no. I never ask why. I always say no judgment. Um, As a practitioner, I've learned to, you know, when they say, well, you know, I have a wife back home and a wife here. My facial expression does not change because I don't know their story. So it's very important for me. and, And that has been my mantra. I'll meet you where you are. You're good with me. I'm good with you. What can we do? to help you transition? What can we do to help you on your journey? Not so much, you know, let's fill these forms out. I believe in, in this more holistic approach where, where are you trying to get for you and your family or for you and your business? What can I do as a person first, then a lawyer second to help you get there?
0: Oh, I love that. Person first, then lawyer. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, we need more attorneys like you, (laughs) Ah, not only in immigration, because I know
1: they're out there, they're out there.
0: They are. And and I, and, and I have to say that, you know, one rotten apple, you know, ruins the whole batch sometimes. And and I've been blessed enough in my 20 years where most of the attorneys that I worked with and alongside with have been just as passionate as you are. I feel like sometimes law school kind of destroys that. Yeah. Yeah. creates that like inherited competition mindset, which I think can destroy some people sometimes because, you know, always greed and the, the, the greed for a win, right. Sometimes overpowers the passion to serve. So, um, I love that. I love everything that you do. And and I love that you take that approach with, um, your people, right? I say people, because yes, there are clients, yes, they're paying for the services. And, and it's not only an immigration, I want the audience to understand, you know, um, family law goes through similarities where mental health is not even a recommendation or a requirement, which it should be, um, you know, especially for minors that are in between these Mm -hmm. disputes, Uh, personal injury, you know, that's a physical, but sometimes also a mental injury. Um, So there, there are a lot of other practices that I personally have worked in and I have seen that a kind hand and a kind um, heart can go a long way with the case and can really bring you those wins regardless of what that win looks like right um so I love that my next question to you and it wasn't even in my plans but your story sparked me to <laughs> it What Uh-oh. is what has been one of, and obviously I know you can't name names, but what has been your toughest case where you were just like, mm, I wish something else would have happened?
1: Oh, which <laughs> one?
0: I know, um, and I'm
1: sure there's many. So, I, so to answer that question, I'm going to put it in a category. Great. I have a category of cases that really gets me and It's cases involving children.
0: Oh, yes, I know. I happen okay, where am I? T- yeah, if
1: you put it, because I, you know, you have cases that are tough. You have cases where you feel like the service, you just want to, uh, yeah. but the, the cases that affect me the most, and, you know, it's funny because I've been doing this for a while, but there are cases where the names are as clear as they in my head. I spent a lot of time doing removal defense. And it's to the point now. And you talked a little bit about mental health. I had to kind of get myself out of the immigration court system because that thing will drive for for attorneys that stay the course with immigration court. Man, if they're listening to this, I'm giving them a shout out, like big time. I spent a lot of time during removals defense and the category of cases whether I was the attorney representing because you know immigration court is kind of open call so on that master hearing, it's everybody. The category of cases that would affect me would be the children. When you hear the judge calls the name of a child, because normally, you know, your number is called the last three and you know you got to stand up and say you're here. And when you hear the judge calls the name of a, like they'll say, Etta Rose. Etta Rose happens to be eight years old who is sitting in the back of the courtroom who was sent here. I am not kidding you. Who was sent... For, for whatever reason, for whatever is going on in their country, somebody made a choice. Some mother or some father had to make a choice that the best, the best pathway for Edda Rose, who is eight, is to send this child in the hand of uh, someone, right, to this foreign country. And now they're for some reason they end up in our court system, oftentimes unrepresented. Remember, this is not criminal court where you have the right to an attorney. This is immigration court. You have the right to an attorney at your own expense. Yeah. So and are not they
0: aren't gonna be able to afford that. So
1: <laughs> they can't. And they have no idea what's going on. And they'll stand up and you'll have somebody next to them nudging them to say, say you're those cases, like they absolutely break my heart. So those. Any case that I've had, and even cases where I'm representing the parent who is ordered removed, and those children are sitting in the back of the courtroom looking at me like, do something, we paid you, and there's nothing I can do. Like, so those categories, and I would drive, I remember, like, a lot of times I'm driving home from court. When it hasn't gone in my favor, it feels like the day, like there's just this blanket over me. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times I'd have to call up a friend because guess what? I got to go back tomorrow. I got to go back next week. So, those category of cases, man, mm. yeah. they're the ones that they, they bite. They bite. I'm biting back tears right now. <laughs> yeah. And then you read in the media and the media covers it like, you know, why they send their children. So that part angers me. Yeah right yeah i
0: i feel like the media plays a major part on the perception of Mm -hmm. society you know um and i say generally very loosely because i know that that is not the majority but Mm -hmm. that is the highlighted so that the minority can become majority whatever their mission is in accomplishing these um stories i guess but you know we just, um, which is why I created the Let's Talk Paralegal Podcast is to shine a light on the legal industry in a way where people can digest it and understand it, and not have to know about law, not have to know all the intricacies that go into it. And um you know that is one thing that sets this podcast apart from the others. And not mm-hmm. to toot my own horn, but it's toot something, toot. <laughs> I know it's, but it is something that I'm very proud of. It happens organically because of the way I speak. I don't speak legalese. I wasn't trained mm-hmm. to speak legalese. When you're speaking. To to clients, you know, especially they don't understand half of the things that are coming out of your mouth. If you're repeating things, um, you know, straight out of um, attorney. So you kind of have to right. be that filter. Right. Um, so with that training, I learned to just speak to people in a normal manner, you know, just be like, Hey, this is the situation. And I think, you know, to your point, some of the hardest ones or some of the hardest cases was telling a mother that she lost her child in the car accident and that she's going to have to deliver it stillborn. Ah. Uh, you know, that was something that I had to do. And it was early on in my career. I was um, I was the only Spanish speaker. So mm-hmm. in, in the office, so it wasn't even my case. So I said, just do me a favor, give me the case, let me get familiar with it, because we have to humanize this conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't even a litigating paralegal at that point. I literally wasn't pre lit. I didn't even handle the case. But I literally was the only Spanish speaker. So I had to go and tell this mother that she lost her child. And that she's gonna have to go on top of that, go to the hospital and deliver it like a stillborn. Um, So yeah, tough situation to be in in your early 20s you know, yeah. when you yourself are thinking about having children, I was about to get married, I, you know, I was embarking in this wonderful new chapter in my life. So talk about mental health, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, so to deliver tough information and it is, you know, I, it's hard to believe that people can separate themselves from that. Like I mm-hmm. give the t- kudos to like psychologists, you know, my yeah. sister is a psychiatrist. Um, and she deals with tough situations as well, children, things like that. So kudos mm-hmm. to all of you that I should deal with this literally on a day-to-day basis, because that was a tough situation for me. Absolutely. And I wasn't even on that case. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so let's talk about happy thoughts. Let's talk about your wins or your favorite. <laughs> let's not <laughs> go down that route. Let's talk about your favorite win when everything went well and according to plan or even better. Yes.
1: And that happens more often than not, right? Of course, it's easy to remember the icky stuff, but there's some good wins, man. Oh my God. So I love marriage based. I'm, I'm, I love the marriage. They're juicy. Like, they're super juicy. The marriage. I, you know, at one time earlier on in my career, I'm like, I'm going to brand myself the marriage doctor because for some reason, I took a liking to the marriage based cases. One, they were a little less complicated than, say, like removal defense. And I would advise any attorney that's starting out, it's a good place to start. It's a really good place. There are not as many potholes or red flags. A lot of things that happen with marriage-based cases, you can fix, right? It's not like removal defense where like, We're sending you home. This is kind of like okay. They'll say they'll send you a request for evidence, and you get to put together the marriage photos. So I think for me, some of the best category of cases is those cases where I work on where the family's already here, and maybe they're petitioning for a child from overseas. And then once the child gets here, again, children, um, or even a husband who's petitioning for a wife, or vice versa, or partners um, petitioning for partner, but that other person is overseas. So all they see is our name on the paper. They have no idea who we are. They may have had a phone call from one of my staff members, and then they'll arrive in the country and they want to meet you. Aww. I always love meeting them because it's it's a new beginning for them. And I love to be a part of that. Yeah. So those cases really energize me. And then later on, um, I had one gentleman, he went on to graduate college. And then they touch, yeah, from coming in, go to college, and then it'll be a baby shower. So I love those cases where I get to stay on. And, and, and most of my cases, I stay on, like from, because remember, with, an, with one client, they have so many pieces. It's like a puzzle. So I'll stay on for that. So I love those category of cases, the marriage-based cases, because, you know, it's kind of like where love lives.
0: I love it. I love it. You know, it's it. new. I know we don't fresh. think of a marriage that way, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: It's fresh, you know, it's making memories and they're the couple, you're watching them go on this journey together. Um, So I love those kinds of cases.
0: Oh my gosh. All right, good. I'm glad. Now I'm smiling. I'm happy. I'm glowing.
1: (laughs) See, I (laughs) could be a good therapist. Say, I I take you somewhere and I take you back out of there. Or you could be a good therapist. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Vice versa. We'll Mm -hmm. therapize with each other. Um, But yeah, (laughs) I love it. I love it. it. All right. So we went to the sad, to the happy. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about the intricacies of it all, right? So what keeps you going every day? What keeps you fighting the good fight. And sometimes, like you said, stacks are, you know, against you. So what keeps you really, really saying, I can do this, I can keep going. My, you know, because sometimes, and my my reasoning is, is sometimes when we're in it, when our sleeves are rolled up and we're like digging into this case and we're so passionate and we really get into other facts and investigative uh, work around it and in it, we get so caught up in that And then we get disappointed. Or then we discover something new that's not in our favor, or we get discouraged or, you know, so it gets really hard to be like, am I even making a difference at this point? Is anybody even hearing me? You know, is this even going into people's heads? And I feel like both as a business owner, right, because you own your own law firm, um, as a business owner, and as an attorney, you kind of get that double whammy, right? Because it's like, <laughs> damn, you know, like, how, how is this going to affect my business? Because if I'm not in the right mindset, my business is not going to prosper. But then and I'm failing my client at the same time. So you kind of get the, you know, that double edged sword, but it's coming towards you. So how do you deal with that? Right? Like, how how is that? Because um, you have so much fire in you. I know that. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's like, how do you keep it that way? Because I know sometimes you'll have like a little moment, we all do. But like, how mm-hmm. do you just keep going? Because a lot of legal professionals leave Mm-hmm. Um, the legal industry and go into other industries because of that. So kind of give some encouragement to these legal professionals that might be in that mindset right now.
1: I think so I, I talked about earlier immigration law choosing me, and it sounds tacky, Edda, but I love the, I love the practice of immigration law. I love if I weren't an attorney, I'd probably be some kind of client advocate for immigrants. I don't know. I think I would. Um, And what keeps me going is, is my story. Like my mother came here before me. So she came here as an immigrant. And so for the longest, for almost six, seven years, I didn't, my mom was living here while I was living overseas. Mm. And so I knew the importance of my mother having a really good lawyer that was able to help her, that ultimately helped me, ultimately I helped my children, my father, the list goes on. So i that's what keeps me going because one good lawyer or one lawyer can change the life of a generation. Mm-hmm. My daughter was born in Jamaica. Now she's a college graduate. I don't know if she would have graduated college in Jamaica. I don't know. I know I couldn't afford it back then. So I don't know what the future would have held for us. So it keeps me going because I know how important this work is. And all right fine. It gives me a really good way of living, right? I have a decent life. So it's not like I'm out here being Mother Teresa where come to me and I'll fix all your immigration problems at no cost. That's not what this is. Um, I like to say my clients are not broken busted. My clients are ambitious immigrants who I think the media makes you think every immigrant that comes. No, these are people, these are human beings who had a life that made a decision because they wanted a little bit more. So I think what keeps me going is just knowing what United States citizenship can lead to. And it sounds tacky, but it's true. As tacky as it sounds, it's true. I don't care what you say about this country. I don't care what you say about the politics of it all. It is still a good place to raise a family. It's a good place to make something of yourself by putting in a little bit of effort. Um, So for me, for any family that that wants to take a risk and wants me to help them on that risk, it gets me out of bed. It really does.
0: Love it! I love it. That actually reminds me of a story. Recently, um, mm-hmm. I went to Washington D.C., the capital, right of politics, for the mm-hmm. first time ever. It, it was a childhood dream of mine, and my birthday was a couple of days ago. So my husband gifted me that for my birthday gift, and my friend just happened—yeah, my my friend just happened to live in Maryland. So she, you know, we ended up spending a great time together, her and her husband. But anyway, beside the point. So I go there, and the first thing I wanted to do as a tourist, right? Because my friend was showing me like the local stuff. But the first thing I wanted to do as an actual tourist was go visit Abraham Lincoln, which is my favorite president, for those of you Mm -hmm. that don't know. Um, I love him, and I love his work, and I just loved what he stood for as a president, right? So I go there, and I visit the monument, and, you know, right across, you see, like, that beautiful memorial, and, you know, everything, right? Just, like, the whole, um, Mm -hmm. really close is the Martin Luther King, so, you know, it's just like the, just living in that moment, and here I am, I'm reading the scripture, or his speech, right, his declaration, because I haven't, you tape them around the wall for those of you that have never been Um, so I'm there and I'm reading it I'm just like reading soaking in the words right because this is like the epiphany of our country this is what makes our country great and so I go there and I'm reading it just word by word even though I've memorized it because since a kid I just was obsessed with Abraham Lincoln and I was like just reading it and really soaking in that moment and I swear that it just felt like everybody was just silent like there was just nothing around me Mm -hmm. like in that moment and I was like this is why I do what I do this is why I People and as soon as I said that, I kid you not, I can't even make this up. A lady comes next to me. I'm not going to describe her because we're not going there. But a lady comes next to me and says, Oh, "I don't even have time to read this. Like, who who reads this?" As I'm like in the moment reading it, Uh and I look at her, and I was like, "Well, you should," because it's a very important document, and it's the reason you're standing here. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me like she didn't know what to say, and I was Mm -hmm. like. This is why you're here. This is right. why you can do what you can do, especially as a woman. This is because this is what led to the rest of it. This was the trickle effect, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. And I think as a born Americans, you know, land-born Americans, we take that right for granted. You know, me included, because I was mm-hmm. born and bred here. My family's from Puerto Rico. We have a mm-hmm. citizenship anyway. So thankfully we don't have these stories. Right. Um We fought really hard for that, you know, it was, not you know, but we don't, you know, we have come to a a promise with the American um, government. So understanding that my friends, though, which are primarily all immigrants, all came from other countries all around the world and came here and seeing their stories and their families and what they're still going through, some of them really, really opened up my eyes at a very early age. That I really did took took, you know, I took for granted this privilege because it's a privilege Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. have this citizenship and not have to fight for it. And I always say that immigrants have better education about this country than we do because they have to take an entire test to become a citizen. (laughs) (laughs) I've helped many of my friends in high school (laughs) take this test (laughs) because or study for the test because Mm -hmm. And it's not easy, and I'm like, I was born here, and I had to learn, relearn a few things too. I feel, <laughs> you know, so that's another Love it, you know. And I'm like, so I think I appreciate more the right that I have than most in in this country, and. I don't know if it's the media, I don't know if it's politics, I, you know, I really don't know what the core cause is, because really, at this point, between technology, between the melting pot that this country is, between Mm -hmm. curiosity, you know, I see my kids every day, and I was like, where did that curiosity go, you know, at a Mm -hmm. certain age, we some of us lose that curiosity, like ask questions, like, why is it like this? Um, I always use this example, especially with Abraham, I use the example of the penny and the dollar. And I was Mm. telling her they're both the equivalent of one, but the dollar is worth more than the penny. And she looked at me, I kid you not, she was four years old, I was about to put her into pre-K. And she looked at me and she goes, but why? Copper is more valuable than a Mm -hmm. paper. And I looked at her, and I was like, "Yes, girl, I did good." <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's I a have curiosity. Very good. My
0: tomorrow happy because my four-year-old knows the, you know, um, definition of value. <laughs>
1: I love it, love it, love it.
0: But anyway, so I love your story. Thank so- you. I love what you stand for. Obviously, we've been collaborating on a couple of projects. Um, This is just a piece of the puzzle, which everyone will soon hear about all about it. Um, And so I appreciate your time, because I know how valuable it is to others. So I appreciate sharing it with me on this podcast. And I Wish you nothing but more success stories um, and more wins than, than losses. And um, just keep going because your fire thank is, you. just, it ignites and you just share it with everybody. And it's just a blessing to be in your presence at this point.
1: Thank you, love. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Of course. I wouldn't have it any other way. So thank you guys. That's the Let's Talk Paralegal podcast until next time. Bye. in productivity, lack of motivation, or even high turnover at the law firm? This is probably because there is a lack of tools and training. Maybe you are seeking to enhance your skills and knowledge. Look no further than Eta Rosa LLC, your premier provider of law firm staff training services and legal education for all legal professionals. At Eta Rosa LLC, we understand the importance of continuous learning in the legal field. That's why we offer comprehensive training programs designed to empower your team with the latest legal insights and strategies. Rosa speaks both lawyer and paralegal, which provides her with the edge you need to get your staff where they need to be. Whether you are looking to sharpen your skills, stay up to date on industry trends, Rosa LLC has the resources you need to succeed. Our flexible training programs can be customized to fit your firm's unique needs and schedule. Ensuring minimal disruption to your day-to-day operations. Say goodbye to outdated training methods and hello to cutting-edge legal education with Ederosa LLC. Contact us today to learn more about how we can help you and your firm thrive in today's ever-changing legal landscape. Click the link below and schedule your 15-minute chat today.